0: Well, today we are beginning a four-week series that uh, I think is the first time I've done this. It coincides with Rob's children's worship. He's doing a thing called Piggy Bank University, talking about four aspects of money, earn, give, save, and spend. And uh, we're going to run parallel to what he's doing there with our children. And I really like the idea of this because we're doing this because this is the time when kids are young to educate them, about money and God's view of money. And this is the time to give them a proper respect and perspective on it. A lot of kids grow up today with a skewed sense about finances, uh, sometimes just plain ignorance. And if we are not intentional about teaching them, they will assimilate the values of this culture. Now, we have a lot of material blessings. We live in a blessed culture, but we also have unprecedented debt and unprecedented entitlement attitudes. We have ignorance. We have lack of self-discipline and a lack of a generous mindset. So this is huge. Money is a big part of our lives and a big part of our discipleship and living for God. Uh, all of us are interested in this topic, okay? And God is a lot smarter than any of us, and we should listen to what He says on this. We just came out of a series asking, why are we here? Why are we on this earth? And the number one reason we were created by God was so we could be in relationship with Him and worship God and live in and for Him. And how we earn and how we spend and how we give and what we save should all be part of our worship toward Him. Someone once said money is coined life. How you handle it is pretty much a reflection of how you deal with life and your priorities. If we let God be our guide in earning, spending, giving, saving, finances will be a blessing. And someday, our children will thank us for teaching them God's view. Now, one thing we're asking of you this week, these four weeks, just one thing, one assignment, is pray. Just pray and ask God, and I want you to do it seriously, what He wants you to do about saving and spending and giving and even about your earning. Everything in these four areas, you pray, God, I want this to be to Your glory. I want You to be honored in every aspect of my life, including these areas pray and ask His will, that's your assignment for this month. That's it, these four weeks. But I want you to do it sincerely, seeking His will, and you will be blessed. Today, Rob and I are talking about earning money. And here's the lesson Rob is working from from his lesson plan. Work is how we earn money. It's not always easy and not always fun, but work is a blessing from God that allows us to provide for ourselves and others. Work also gives us a chance to share our faith. When we develop an extra mile attitude, we can show people the love of Jesus through our work, and that's something far more valuable than money. Another statement in Rob's lesson plan today, money doesn't seem like a church topic, but believe it or not, Jesus talked more about money than almost any other subject. And that's true. He talked more about this than prayer, more than heaven and hell combined, more than faith, more than any other topic except one, and that's the kingdom of God, which we just sang about. There's anywhere from 800 to 1,000 scriptures about this topic. And if I went to a church that never preached on this issue, I would quit that church. It's just a huge issue. I would think that church was jipping me. In fact, I would know they're not preaching the whole gospel to avoid a topic that Jesus talked about so much. So today, earning money. A number of years ago, a song came out that's quite popular. If we could just play that, a little bit of that. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. A woman done left and took all the reason I was working for. You better not try to stand in my way as I'm walking out the door. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. <laughs> Who's the artist? Johnny Paycheck, I think that's a great name for that song. Do you know what year? What decade? 80s, actually, 1980. Yeah, 1980. How many of you will go to work this week, sometime this week? Okay, I'm going to assume that many of you go to work tomorrow. Don't raise your hand on this one. How many of you will be depressed tonight because you have to go to work tomorrow? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) I have students raising their hand because of school. Anyway, a poll poll was conducted by Monster.com about that very question. It reveals that 76% of Americans have really bad Sunday night blues. Three out of four of Americans get Sunday night blues because of work. I saw a newspaper item several years ago, and the caption read, Man who hated work kills self after big lottery loss. Well, that got my attention, so I read a little bit and said this man had spent his whole paycheck on the lottery. That was brilliant. He did not come up with the magic numbers, and he left a suicide note, and he said this, I hate my work, any work. Death is preferable to work. And he stabbed himself to death. Here's another article. Unemployed man burns himself to death. A 35 year old man poured a half gallon of gasoline over his head and set himself on fire because he was unable to find a job. Now that's interesting. One kills himself because he hates his job, and the other kills himself because he doesn't have a job. Is work a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it a blessing? Is it a curse? Over the course of a lifetime, when you factor in weekends, retirement, and vacation, the average American spends one-third of his or her lifetime working. This is a big, big issue. Do you think God's concerned about one-third of your lifetime? So where does this thing, work, actually fit into what it means to be a follower of Jesus? Work is work just something we do, the way we, we have to do it because we have to pay the bills and feed our family, we have to do it to live? Is that really all it's about? I get the feeling that many people work just with the hope of retiring. That's the goal, and retiring as soon as possible, and life will be perfect after work. So how does this earning money worship God? Now, you know how the Bible starts. Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, what are the first three words? In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. The first glimpse we have of God is creating. He's working. He's designing. He's engineering. He's inventing. He's sculpting. He's shaping the world. God is a worker, and we are made in God's image, and we were made to be creative and to work and do something productive, and then in Genesis 2, it says the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So the first glimpse we have of humans is they're doing work. So you were made to work. It's in your bones, it's in your DNA and that's why unemployment is such a gut-wrenching thing. That's why people who hate their jobs or don't enjoy their work are miserable even if they make a boatload of cash. That's why people who retire early are sometimes unhappy because when you stop working, now I don't mean just having a job, but when you stop creating and stop having responsibility and stop doing something significant with your life, you stop being what you were made for. Work is a blessing. But, of course, not everyone experiences it a blessing. Part of the reason comes next in Genesis 3. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. In other words, because you disobeyed, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Because he listened to his wife, now it's not her fault, don't, poker, okay? It's actually his fault because he listened and rebelled against God. God curses the ground. So the ground will still produce crops, but now there's going to be thorns and thistles and sweat on your brow. Now there's going to be blisters on your hands and sore backs and icy hot and ibuprofen and workers' comp and medical insurance, and I need a vacation. Now, that's how it was in an agrarian world. In our world, for those who aren't farming, the curse would include office gossip, demanding bosses, Uncaring corporations, long hours, boredom, work is hard. There's one book that talks about it more than any other, and it is the book of Ecclesiastes, written by Solomon, the most successful man in history, and here's what it says in chapter 2. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more fl- herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. This sounds like Donald Trump. I mean, I amassed silver, I amassed silver and gold for myself and treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well the delights of a man's heart, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for my toil. Now, is work good or bad? Sound Pretty good. Solomon did a lot of great things. He's successful. He knew the value and the results of work. He took delight in it, and he was rewarded for his hard work. He did well. Verse 24, he says, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too I see from the hand of God. So work is a blessing. But there's another side, same chapter, same book, same author. He says, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. Can you identify with that? Same book, same author, same chapter, and we have two completely opposite attitudes here. Work is a gift of God, is to be enjoyed, has benefits and rewards, but it's meaningless and leads to despair and sleepless nights. He says, I hated life because of work, and yet he says he enjoyed life because of work. So apparently it's a two-pronged thing. Work is a blessing that has been cursed. And the Christian perspective toward work calls us to recognize both sides. And if your perspective as a work is only a curse and to be despised, you live for Friday night, you'll have the wrong attitude on Sunday night, take this job and shove it and you will be miserable. If your attitude work is that it's all blessing, the way to life, and it gives you meaning for living, take this job and love it, you too will have the wrong attitude. Some people have too high a view of work and put too much stock in it; their whole Id- identity and ego is wrapped up in it. They just live for work. And others have too low of a view and work and utterly hate it. The ancient Greeks considered work a curse. Homer argued that the gods hated mankind and, out of spite, condemned men to toil. The Greeks called work panos, from the Latin word that means punishment. And the whole slavery culture back then was based on this loathing of work. But Christians, they were to have a different view in that culture. The slaves who followed Jesus had a different perspective than the Greeks. Instead of work being a curse from the gods, the Christian slaves were told, and this is a scripture your kids will be learning today from Rob, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Speaking to slaves, in fact, here's the context. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eyes on you to carry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. See, your slavery is to honor God, believe it or not. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters. Since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving in your slavery. Now, to the Greeks, slavery was punishment. It was to be loathed, and you hated it. And you may feel like a slave at your job, This is what God says. You treat it as working for the Lord. It's an act of worship. Augustine said, to work is to pray. So your work may be bad toil. It may be a slavery. And Paul says you do it out of reverence for Him. And if your motive is just because you have a slave-driving, mean boss, and you need the money, you will not glorify God. Now, numerous surveys have been taken, generally about Americans and working. We waste about a third of a day. And some people just are not good workers. In fact, I found some actual quotes taken from employee performance evaluations, what bosses said about their employees. One said, he sets low personal standards and then consistently fails to achieve them. (laughs) Since my last report, this employee has reached rock bottom and has started to dig. I would not allow this employee to breed. This employee is really not so much of a has-been, but more of a definite won't-be. This young lady has delusions of adequacy. This employee is depriving a village somewhere of an idiot. This employee should go far, and the sooner he starts, the better. (laughs) He brings a lot of joy whenever he leaves the room. When his IQ reaches 50, he should sell. So I pulled out some of my employee reviews here at the church. Uh, No, I didn't. We're not going there. (laughs) They would not be like that, surely. As Christians, we were created to work. And Paul says, to the glory of God and as part of our witness, you show me a lazy, irresponsible, irritating Christian on the job who always shows up five minutes late, leaves five minutes early, and I'll show you an office or a store that isn't interested in his message or his Jesus. One of the seven deadly sins is sloth, laziness. So working well is a part of our obedience to God and our witness to others. Our first reason for being put on this earth is to honor God with our lives, and that includes our work life. How do we make it an act of worship? Now, one of the blessings of work is satisfaction. Solomon brings this out in Ecclesiastes. He enjoyed the fruit of his labor. There were times after... uh, I know when I finish writing a sermon and it's done, I feel like this is going to be pretty good. And it's usually Thursday or Friday morning, and I just relax, and I don't look at it again until Sunday morning. I've known farmers who enjoy seeing a weed-free field, straight rows. In Genesis, after God worked, what do you say? It is good. Work brings satisfaction, sense of accomplishment, but there's also limitations to work. Any job, any profession has its ups and downs. Preaching has its ups and downs. I love preaching. It's kind of the dessert for me of the week on Sunday morning. But there are times it is a challenge. A few years ago, I know I was struggling with a sermon and just didn't have any any flow or any energy and the message was garbled and I just had a colonoscopy the week before. You probably didn't want to hear that. But uh, I told Ellen that that colonoscopy was easier than working on this sermon. And some of you have a job that makes a colonoscopy sound easy. So let me remind you of two limitations from Ecclesiastes of work. One is that the results of our work are temporary. No matter how hard we work, how successful we are, we die. In verse 18, he says, I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And you need to come, with a, uh, you need to, come to terms that you're going to die. And it puts all this success in perspective. After all his work, Solomon, I got to leave it to someone else. And on top of that, the one who comes after me may be an idiot. And in Solomon's case, he was. His son, Rehoboam, first major decision he made, split the kingdom. I mean, everything Solomon worked on, (laughs) down the toilet. So Solomon shoots down this theory that life is worthwhile by working to provide for your children. You know, if you're working to retire nicely and then leave loads of money to the kids, you are, I won't say it, but you're on the wrong track learn from Solomon's mistake. When you see what kids do with inheritances and what inheritance do to the kids, you realize how meaningless that really is. I like what one preacher said about the end of life, may the last check bounce. That's the attitude to have. Why would you make something temporary to be your God? Why worship that? Use it for His glory. Second limitation work is just the frustration of it. He says, I hated my life. I hated my work. I hated all the things I'd told for. You ever feel like that? My heart began to despair. This is the most successful man in history, and success doesn't fulfill. I work, 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 hoping to fill a gap in my life, making money, seeking fulfillment that work and success can't offer, and it just leads to despair. And he says, "Quit, quit chasing the wind. Stop thinking that being busy or being rich makes you important. Work is essential, but don't make it your God. So the Bible uh, addresses two groups. Those have too low of a view of work. You know, some of you are in jobs that would be easier to have a colonoscopy. You know, work is almost a slavery. Saw a bumper sticker that said, "I ran out of sick days, so I called in dead." You know, you feel like that. In the first century, some of those slaves had horrendous hours and tough conditions. Not all of them, but some of them had terrible masters. And you may have a terrible master at your job. And Paul says, "You do it to the Lord. He's your boss." And that will change your perspective a great deal. Then there's those who have an overly high view of work. Instead of working to live, you live to work. And you love what you do and you're married to it. And the danger is that you find your whole purpose of life and your whole identity in your job and in making money. And it becomes an idol and you will regret it. I think it's important to realize, and maybe this is the thing that will capstone it all. In the Bible, we are never called to a job. In fact, Jesus sometimes called people away from their jobs. We are called to Jesus Christ, and Jesus is our vocation. That's your calling. Your life is not your work. And your validation should come from who you are in Christ, and work is just one way of glorifying him. And that's a whole different mindset that most our culture has. And your mindset is, I am working, I am building this business so I can glorify God. We work well to honor Him, be obedient to Him, to witness to others at work, but we do it without worshiping work. Your job is not your God. Don't sell your soul. So here's some questions I want you to ask yourself. How can your job be a ministry? How can this work witness to others? And just think, ponder on that. And then what are ways you can be more, a more God-glorifying worker? I want you to think vertically about your job. How does God want? How does my real boss want me to work? And how would that work glorify him? I'm going to close with this prayer. It comes from Piggy Bank University over next door. And this is the prayer. Dear God, thank you for work. Thank you for the opportunity it gives us to provide for our families and others. Give us a grateful heart so we can do our work for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. My son.